Hello, my name is John Schaefer and welcome to the CityWire Wealth Manager podcast. This week is Mental Health Awareness Week and the current lockdown situation has made looking after your mental health important for all of us. I spoke with Kate Griffiths-Lambeth, HR Director at Charles Stanley, to find out how the firm is dealing with mental health issues remotely. You know, how, how do you monitor the mental health of your staff? Um, we have two trained cohorts now of mental health first aiders. Very, very early on, we pulled together and each of them wrote a bio and a picture of themselves. And then we circulated that so that people had people to contact. We have provided training and it's compulsory and there are four different modules to it for every single person who manages in Charles Stanley from the executive team downwards. And we started with the executive team and they wanted people to know that it was them first. And we're rolling this out to everybody. So we've got a shared approach. Um, there's quite a lot of contact with the HR team. We send out a message to every single member of staff every morning, and you have six different options to choose from. And option one is I'm working from home. Because we've got some key workers, option two is I'm working from an office. Option six is please contact me. And we've had a number of people who have contacted because they're struggling with mental health. Um, and, you know, this is a difficult time. We've had some people who've got problems with you know, domestic abuse. We've had other people who've had wider community problems in their area that are having an impact on them. We've got people who are suffering from anxiety. We've got people who are, you know, unfortunately, we've got some people who are trying to cope with bereavement in isolation. Um, we had a very worrying time where one employee was in intensive care and on a ventilator and an induced coma for a period of time. The impact that that has on their colleagues who are worried about them, as well as obviously on their family, and the way that people rallied together and the messages to the family and the sharing of the video when he finally came out of hospital and all the staff clapping for him, and it makes me want to cry now. But thing, being able to talk about it, being able to support one another, appreciating that, that this is difficult. You know, when I sent the sunflowers out, I wrote a handwritten note to every single one of those people. We did a pulse survey just to find out how people were coping. Paul Averley, the CEO, for every single person who was personally named in the Pulse Survey for having gone out of their way to provide support to people in whatever way. And that could be assisting with mental health. It could be making sure that somebody's laptop's correctly configured. He sent a personal message to every single one of those people to acknowledge them. And it's amazing the impact that gratitude and kindness has on mental health. So. Yeah, just lots of little touch points, as well as some big overarching things like the training programs. You know, this week, we have run, in addition, lunch and learn sessions on um, stress workshops, on positive psychology, on mindfulness. 
And, and what do you think are perhaps the telltale signs that members of staff are struggling a bit? Well, frequently it's that their behaviour is different. It might be that they're more quiet. It might be that in the team meeting they're more irritable or more outspoken. So you've got to be attuned to the people you're interacting with and realise that something's not quite right. Um, and sometimes, you know, people have good intentions. Let me give you an example. I, I run silly quizzes and things with my team. And I made a real mess of it last week because one of the questions that I asked was, you know, what would you like your legacy to be? And it was absolutely fine until two members in the team said they wanted always to be looked back on as having been a really great mum. And unfortunately, another member in our team lost her daughter and her mother within 10 days of each other shortly before Christmas. I probably shouldn't have asked the team, what do you want your legacy to be? Because if I'd thought that through, I would have realised the possible answers that were going to be given. The individual concern, I realised something was wrong as soon as she turned her camera off so that people couldn't see her. And she then pulled out of the meeting entirely. And I was absolutely right that it had hit the raw nerve with her. Because I scooped up with her as soon as I got out of the meeting and just said, yeah, are you okay? Hope, yeah. And she said, you know, that's the answer I wanted to give. And just crumpled. Yeah. And, but I, I think, you know, in such a difficult situation, you just have to be, I guess, aware that some of the things that you, that you might say might might hit a nerve unintentionally. I just you're did... not always going to get it right. Sometimes you'll hit something without realising it. And that actually is also an important thing to realise. And she knew there was no ill will intended. And she actually... Although she was, she wasn't jealous of the other two mothers, but she, it, it made her realise how much she'd lost. But in a funny kind of way, it also made her wear her, her pain with pride because it shows how much she loved. Yeah. And, you know, we had quite a, I, I am one of the mental health first aiders and we had quite an open discussion about it. And I don't think she'd mind me telling you now, but, that, you know, that's just the kind of example of you've got to think about the impact of the people in the team. Also think different people have different kinds of personalities and different requirements. So if you like being left on your own and being introverted and analytical and don't necessarily need a large audience to get your energy from by seeing how they bounce back to your comments, you may well be finding self-isolation an awful lot easier than the people who actually need people to bounce stuff off. That's understandable. I, yeah, I know quite a few people that are sort of relishing being in isolation. Yes. There are some people who genuinely couldn't be happier. It's a blessed relief not to have to do that ghastly commute. <laughs> For other people, they are really, really missing the chance to bounce ideas off colleagues. Um, another person in my team... They've always really striven to keep home and work separate. 
and suddenly work has come into their home. And that's crossed an emotional borderline for them that they didn't really want breached. That's had an impact on them. Well, I think that moves on to the actual, you know, the idea of the office. You know, we're we're very much used to in our industry going into offices, and I know a lot of people work from home some days a week or or have arrangements. But for the most part, people work in offices, and I don't know how that's going to be changing going forward, and how that might have an effect on mental health for some people. There is a difference between flexible working and being home-based and remote working. And actually, I think a lot of organisations are going to have to rethink because what you have for flexible working may not be fit for purpose for permanent home-based. Your insurance might not, for example, cover if, you know, if somebody has an accident falling over a lamp cable. Um, you know, there's things that you're going to have to need to think about. Also, there's going to be unexpected expenses as well as savings, you know, if you've got less people in an office, you're not going to need so much office space. It's probably quite attractive to your average CFO to think we can reduce the amount of London office space, London office space <laughs> yeah. or Birmingham office space or Glasgow office space or whatever. Um, actually, you're going to get, people are still going to need a venue potentially to meet with clients. We're not convinced that all clients going forwards are only ever going to want to communicate with people electronically. In fact, we know full well from what clients are saying to us that this is brilliant at the moment, but I can't wait to see you for a cup of tea and a chat. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, but there might be other ways around that rather than having a fully-fledged office open yes, there all might the be. time. I've had individuals in, for example, my Exco team who... Before lockdown, were absolutely anti the idea of people working from home. They thought productivity would nosedive. They were only comfortable really when they could physically see people. And the two individuals who were most anti have done polls with their teams, but have also said to me, I've completely changed my mind. I don't want to work full-time in an office anymore. And I've spoken to my team, and 20 out of 21 of them also don't want to work full-time in an office yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, go, going on to the productivity element, I mean, that perception that people will be kind of slacking off at home and kind of having a, you know, going out, having endless cups of tea or whatever. And we, we, we will do that in the office anyway. But um, it's, it's the idea of... Um, well, I think people have realised that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, uh, people are working their little socks off at the moment. Well, that's the thing. Are, are, are people? If anything, it's unhealthy. Yeah. Are, are people not switching off? Is there that element that people, yes. you know, that they're, they're working through their lunch 7.45 this morning, my payroll manager and I had a WebEx yeah. call. <laughs> and then, you know, people reading their emails that's in the evening because, you know, they're not going out for dinner or they're not, you know, they're already... Yeah, and you find people logging on at 11pm. Yeah. Um, so part of what I've done on that is we've put things like, ex, you know, we do ballet classes. We've got personal trainers um, and we're deliberately putting the book club, putting those in at 5.20 so that people then go and have to leave the work environment. So some of them are then logging on again later, but at least we know they've had some form of break if they've signed up to that. Yeah, you know, we had 30 people doing ballet from their bedrooms. 
or somewhere in the house on Monday night. Admittedly, only three blokes, but <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, but but there there might be quite a, a negative aspect for people constantly working all the time. You know, not having that proper. Oh, there's rest. a hugely negative aspect, and we are encouraging individuals to take holiday, even though they're in lockdown. In fact, I write a weekly newsletter called Thrive, and one of my themes this weekend is actually giving yourself a break. And I'm leading by example. I'm taking a week off. I've already taken a couple of days because if we don't show it from the top, other people won't follow suit. We're so many weeks now into the lockdown. I mean, we're about over two, about two months worth of lockdown now. Yeah, um, and for some of our people, longer. Yeah, now, I split my payroll about four weeks before lockdown began, and one chap started working full time from home. Yeah, sure. because then if I always had a, a backup if people became ill, and and I guess you know, so, so he's been in lockdown yeah. for three months. Yeah. I mean, because we're so long into this lockdown now, have you felt that maybe initially people were, you know, really going at work from home with lots of pep and kind of, yeah, you know, we're, we're, um, we're adjusting really, really well. And, and now that enthusiasm might have started to wane Not a bit. Yet. Um, we're trying to amend things. People, for example, it's really exhausting being constantly on WebEx meetings. And in the early days, people needed the reassurance. But what we've now done is encourage people to not do a daily team WebEx meeting. Maybe may it turn that into once every three days or once a week. Do you need those meetings? Do you need all those people in those meetings? So we're trying to do things now to make it easier to take some of the strain off people. Whilst at the same time making sure that what needs to be done is still getting done. And what about staff, um, you know, possibly quite high paid staff who are having to deal with end clients on a regular basis and sort of people that end clients that might be very worried and have their own sort of um, concerns about markets and and perhaps that it has been very demanding, particularly you know the markets themselves. They have been very volatile, and it's been very worrying for people. How does it affect though? You know those members of staff that are having to be on calls all the time with those end clients. Um, they themselves have commented about the strain and pressure that it that it has placed upon them. It's a worry. If you care about people, then when things are difficult, that has a knock-on effect on you. And if you've got a tsunami of people who all want to talk to you, that also has a knock-on. So we've done some things like a lot more, this goes back to the comms piece, we deliberately have increased the amount of communication that we do. Some of it's direct communications to clients to let them know things that are happening in the market. So we're taking some of the strain off the IMs by being able to provide some central comms for clients on a regular basis just to let them know what's going on, who we are and how and why. I'm sure you've seen maybe some of the interviews that Erica has been doing with people within Charles Stanley and people externally 
that are on LinkedIn, that are on YouTube, that are accessible via Twitter, that are also available via the website. Um, There are lots of different ways of letting clients know what you're doing rather than waiting for them to call you or expecting one IM by themselves to pick up the phone and speak to all of those people who all want to speak simultaneously. And I can imagine that's just training. Yes. So we as a company have tried to think of ways that we can help with that, which goes back to why this community was set up. Because we could also then pinpoint the ones who were particularly distressed. And if you've got a good understanding of a client's portfolio and you've got a good understanding of a client's risk appetite, you've also got a pretty good understanding of the ones who may be feeling more uncomfortable than others. The other thing, of course, is that this has probably, for some clients, brought into greater spotlight the actual attitude towards investments. What do you mean by that? Um, I think, and this is me speculating, that going forwards, a lot of organisations are going to need to make sure they are in more regular contact with clients. I'm not saying Charles Stanley is one of these, than perhaps they have been. Because it's only when things get difficult or when you start seeing things in a different light that you suddenly realize that perhaps what you said when you signed yourself up to nutmeg in the first place and you said that you had a high risk appetite and suddenly everything you put into your nutmeg account isn't there anymore. Um, Did you really have a high risk appetite? And do we the investment community need to be more proactive to make sure that we are keeping a finger on the pulse because people's circumstances change. Now, I'm expecting quite a significant change for both staff, but it will also have a knock-on on clients going forwards. If you look at my own household, my eldest son was furloughed. And his remuneration significantly decreased. So I, as a bread earner in the household, was picking up the additional costs for him. I'm lucky. I'm a reasonable income earner. There are other individuals in Charles Stanley whose other halves have been made redundant been furloughed, but the individual in Charles Stanley was the secondary income, not the primary. Or they worked part-time. It was a bit of cash in hand. Nice to have, but not a serious contributor to the household. And suddenly that household circumstances have completely changed. And we are now trying to figure out what we can do to make sure that we are aware of people whose personal circumstances have changed so that they need a different kind of support. I think we'll have the same situation with clients because they will suddenly find that they're having to help support other members of their family or community because they're in a different position. That's what change does. 